Welcome back to part two with my special guest today. I had to do it again. Listen, one program is not enough with this guest. There's so much to talk about. There's so much happening in our culture, in the church, in the world today. And we need voices like my special guest to help us understand and interpret the time and the season that we're in right now. Do you know that not everything that is coming against you is a demon? Quit acting so super spiritual that everything is a demon. No, sometimes it's just common sense. <laughs> sometimes it's just making bad choices, bad mistakes that are tied in to generational curses. But listen, the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for your mistakes. We have all fallen short. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad there's no one perfect. Only one. That is Jesus. And you tuned in today, and I'm so glad you're back because God is about to rock your world. I believe that God has a special gift for you today. I want you to listen. I want you to take your time, get your coffee, get your pen, sit down. You may not have an orange couch like I do, but listen, whatever couch you have, Lay back, sit back, grab your phone. I know you're watching right now. Share this program with all of your family and friends, people in L.A., Miami, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New York. They're watching through the PTL network, and I'm so glad you tuned in. Listen, I want you to know something. What we're going to talk about today are some things that may bother you, some things that maybe. Maybe <laughs> make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because I believe that God has an answer for all the problems that we're going through. And I do believe with all of my heart that you have been born for this moment in time. And I want you to listen to my special guest today. He is the founder and the pastor of Amazing Church Global in the Bronx, New York. All the way from New York, he's Skyping in, but he's a teacher, he's an author, he's a pastor, and recently became a doctor. But many people may know him as the Demon Slayer. I want you to help me welcome the author of the brand new book, The Secrets to Generational Curses, Break the Strongholds in the Bloodline. My special guest is back today. He's got an accent better than mine. I don't like that. He's got a beard better than mine. He's got glasses that make him look very distinguished. He is all the way from New York City wearing a red shirt representing <laughs> the people of New York. <laughs> Sir Alexander Pagini, welcome back. <laughs> you, you give the greatest intros. Listen, I'm going to have to hire you to follow me wherever I go so you can give all of the greatest intros for wherever I ha Listen, thank you for having me on. Listen, part two, excited about what we're going to talk about today. This topic of generational curses has barely scratched the surface in the body of Christ. Um, there's been a lot of misinformation out there, disinformation that's uh, out there as well. So I'm sure that your viewers, if they enjoyed uh, part one, which I encourage you, if you haven't, go find the, the show and watch it. They're going to be excited for part two. I want to begin with this, because the, the word deliverance talked about in the church is already controversial. It makes people uncomfortable. It makes Peter, people just feel like, ooh, I don't know what you're going to get into. We, we don't need to talk about that. Yet, Jesus dealt with it 
Jesus mentioned it. Jesus talked about it. Why do you feel that anytime deliverance is mentioned makes people nervous? Well, it could be many reasons. Let me first start off by saying this. 75% of Jesus' ministry in the Gospels were dedicated to confrontation with the demonic. Do you know that there was more instances in reference to deliverance than actually healing in Scripture? That says a lot. That literally says a lot. But not sure what exactly has happened uh, throughout the years where uh, the topic of deliverance is probably um, the abandoned stepchild of the church. That's kind of like what I say. It's the most, I would say the most ostracized uh, in the church. And I think it could be summed up in one word, misinformation. I think there's so much wrong information that's out there or half information by well-intentioned people, deliverance ministers that uh, have the heart to help people get set free, but might not necessarily have had the scholastic training needed theologically to be able to defend it doctrinally. But what I love about the Gospel of Mark is this. The first instance where Jesus cast out a demon, number one, it was in church, a.k.a. the synagogue, and second, the response of the people is what blessed me. It said, they said this. What new doctrine is this? For with authority, even the demons come out, which means deliverance is first a doctrine. It's a teaching. And this lets us know that deliverance is doctrinal. And what I think the church has made it out to be is sensational and experiential. No, and we don't adhere to sensationalism or experience. We abide by sola scriptura, where the Bible is the sole authority for all faith and conduct. And we could kind of flesh that out. I think it's misinformation, Mondo, that's out there that's causing the church to not fully em embrace the ministry of deliverance in, in present day, modern day, uh, in 2023. Oh, man, listen, I'm about to ask you a question that I like to ask every pastor that's on this program, because I believe that the church and pastors today still hold the public square, the opinion of the pub public square when it comes to the church, when it comes to family, when it comes to influencing the culture, yet the church is not recognizable anymore. But I got to ask you this. You have been in ministry since, let's say, 1995. There's been a lot of trends. There's been a lot of changes in the church. The church has adopted so many different views and so many different trends People don't recognize the church like they used to anymore, Pastor. So I, gotta ha I have to ask you this. What is the state of the church today, right now? Well, I've been in ministry since, as you said, 1995, you know, and been pastoring. Um, I think we're going on our 20th year as a pastor. So when I first started pastoring, there was no Internet. You know, life was a lot a lot more simpler, uh, a lot more intimate, a lot more relational. Um, but yes, I have seen the trends. Uh, every Maybe a, every seven years, um, there's a new thing that kind of uh, appears on, on the scene. And I think that that's, I think that's been common knowledge since the inception of the church in the book of Acts. But what I think has made it different this time around is the advent of modern technology AKA social media. And I think what's happening is, is that from the silver screen to the computer screen, there's been a Luciferian agenda. When I mean Luciferian, I mean those that are just not Christian, that are under the rulership of the devil, right? To um, create a narrative that paints the church either fanatical in every movie, the Christian guy is the 
crazy guy on the corner with the sign looking like, you know, looking like uh, they're homeless or some extreme sensational that is holding back some sort of advancement of human civilization or helping someone. So it's been a long time since movies now to uh, computer to now social media to now it's everywhere. I think it's an agenda that has caused there now to paint the picture where the church is now um, the last corporate entity that modern civilization wants to even deal with. I would say yes. I would say the church is at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to, let's see what the church has to say in regards to um, helping uh, civilization move forward. And I think it's because of social media and just communications, communications. And I think this is why God is raising up digital evangelists and digital movie director, because this year, more than any other year, and you've seen it, because I'm sure that you've uh, talked about this in previous show, now God is getting out of the church into the silver screen with movies like Nefarious and Come Out in Jesus' Name. And now there's another movie coming out with one of my fellow demon slayers. And, um, internet with documentaries funded by the internet by ministries themselves and we're taking back we are the church is taking back its reputation in media communication and this is the greatest time to live in but yes it has been a long journey leading up to this point but god has taken it back i gotta take your uh, i want your take on what's been happening the last few months with hollywood with music you know, because we saw at the Grammys uh, a, a, an unbelievable satanic performance by Sam Smith and others. And, and right now, the latest music video from Doja Cat is transforming into a demon. And again, it's a, it's a reminder that this is no longer a private matter for these people anymore. It's in your face. The satanic worship is in your face more than ever what do you make of what the culture and the message that they're sending by being in your face? Well, two things we need to understand. Number one, whether if this is a marketing strategy or if they really do believe and are involved in Satanism themselves. And I think maybe a small sector, it might just be, it's what sells. Controversy sells. It's just the way that it is. But then there is a another component where these individuals have really sold themselves out to this. You know, I'm not surprised because the demonized do what the demonized do. They're sinners. I expect sinners uh, to act sinful. What is shocking is the silence of the church um, in regards to this. That is what's shocking because 50 years ago, the church was a bit more vocal and uh, people such as Sam Smith and Doja Cat and others were more underground. Now they're above ground. And I'm a little bit more shocked that the church or maybe not even the church, just uh, holistic and very wholesome organizations are a lot more quiet when they should be way more vocal. And this is a clarion call for everybody. We need to be more vocal. We need to be more vocal, no matter if it costs us uh, reputation, no matter if we we come against a behemoth called cancel culture. Regardless, we need to be more vocal. Why? Because what one generation fails to confront, 
the next generation embraces as the norm. If we don't fight back, our grandchildren will think Sam Smith and Doja Cat is the standard of norm, but it is not. And I'm here to prophesy and to say, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. I'm going to flip that because algorithm is the word streaming. Streaming is an aquatic term. So when the enemy comes in like a flood of streaming, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And God is raising up a standard in digital means. And there are movies and there are digital platforms that are fighting against it. And this is why the church, we need your support. Support us and don't take it as, oh, digital ministries, that's just on the side. No, digital is the new norm. I think the pandemic has set, made this plain and simple. Digital is here to stay. And we need the church to rise up. And we are rising up, but that's my thoughts on that. I expect them to do what they do. What shocks me is, is that the church is quiet about it. That message is for you. That message is for me. We cannot afford to be quiet, to be silent any longer. Listen, we got to contend for our families. We got to contend for our children. We got to contend for the faith. We got to contend for the culture. God has rescued you and I, not to be in the corner silent, but to be vocal. The same message that changed my life. It's the same message that can change the next generation, that can change the now, but we cannot afford to be silent anymore. Quit using your social media as a gamut to tell people about what you're eating today. We passed those moments already. Now people are looking for the message. People are looking for answers. We are the most connected, yet the most disconnected generation of all time. We have this great opportunity. God has given you, has given me, has given all of us a place in the public square, which is social media platforms. What you do with it, I believe, depends on what the call of God is in your life. How you decide to align with the will of God in your life. We have a voice. Are you going to use it? Are you going to stay silent? Or are you going to, you know what? When I look at the disciples, pastor, they risked it all. These guys were martyrs in a time where social media was not even existing. They were martyrs for the gospel in a time where they knew that trouble is around the corner, yet they risked it all. How do we risk it all, Pastor? How do we risk it all in a moment in time where there's a digital footprint out there that is allowing us to exist in a world of streaming, yet many may be afraid, but what steps can we take to break this generational curse of being silent in the corner. Like Latinos, we stay quiet in a lot of things, but we like to talk loud over here. But when it comes to issues of, of family and dealing, listen, it's time to get loud. Jennifer Lopez probably said it the best. It's time to get loud. <laughs> but pastor, <laughs> how do we get past this silent movement in the church and use our platform to proclaim the gospel just like the martyrs did in this book. It's found in Acts chapter 4, where the early church prayed for God to give them boldness. They actually prayed for it. 
You can read this at the end of Acts chapter. There were, the early church was under an immense amount of persecution in the very early days, immediately uh, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The church exploded, but then a wave of persecution. So by the time they got to Acts chapter 4, only two chapters later, they were discouraged and they prayed. They said, Lord, grant us your servants that with boldness we can preach this message of the gospel with miracles, signs, and wonders um, and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And the subsequent response of that prayer, you can read this, was that the place was shaken. And it says, and they were filled with boldness. That means boldness is not an issue of personality. It's an issue of impartation. I want you to ask God, specifically that somebody watching me right now, that you have a platform and you have just been doing the norm on your platform and God has been dealing with you. There's somebody watching me. God has been dealing with you, taking your platform and going into a little bit more a bolder stance in some of the topics that you're dealing with. And you're just kind of like, oh, that's not kind of like what I do, but I'm sensing it. It's That's the voice of God telling you to do it. You need to pray. You need to pray, God, give me the boldness so that way I can do this. And as you pray, God is going to shake your ministry. God is going to shake your pulpit. God is going to shake your platform. And you're going to find that you're going to speak the word of God with boldness. And guess what? They're not going to be able to cancel you. They're not going to be able to shut you down. They're going to need what you say. You want to know why? Because leadership, bold leadership is attractive. And you're going to find people are going to come from everywhere to do. To, to either defend you, and they might not even agree with you. They'll say, I don't agree with everything they say, but man, I love their conviction. Pray for boldness. Watch God do it. Acts chapter 4. Woo! I feel, can you pray right now? Listen, I, I'm, I, don't, I didn't even turn in my questions for show two. We weren't supposed to do program number two, but this is for you. I believe that God is about to speak to you in a way that is going to change the next few moments of decision-making for your ministry, for your family, for your life. I'm going to be quiet, praying to that pastor. Well, I just want your viewers to know, and it does fit into uh, my book, The Secrets to Generational Curses, because fearfulness produces a generational curse. Yes, it can. What you fail to address in one generation, my friend that are watching, will produce hiding and putting things under and sweeping things under the rug with the next generation, which is where generational curses thrive. Generational curses thrive in secrecy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am praying that with urgency, that you would send the Holy Spirit to every person that's watching this broadcast, that you would deliver them from the spirit of fear, deliver them from the spirit of timidity, deliver them from the fear of being outspoken and addressing what needs to be addressed in their bloodline and on their pulpits, Father. Holy Spirit, reveal to them, bring it out, expose it, put it in the light and break the curse of timidity and fear and shame and guilt and anything else that's holding them back. I humbly ask you in the name of Jesus and I rebuke the spirit of fear, every demon of fear, generational curses of fear. We revoke you now by the authority of the courtroom of heaven and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Release that bloodline, release that family, and release that person now in Jesus' mighty name. Ooh, wow. I hope you feel that prayer. I believe that when you understand the secrets to generational curses, you will understand how to pray for this. 
Get ready to speak on chapter 10. I love this. The strategies to keep the bloodline cleansed. Get ready to speak on that, Pastor Alexander, because I believe that you watching right now need strategies. You need a plan. You know that when I was in the gang, I used to strategize the next move. Why? Because I began to see that a lot of people that were reacting and acting out of impulse ended up dead in the streets or they ended up being caught and put in prison for the rest of their lives for something that they should have taken time to strategize on. And I remember strategizing on one event for six months. So when it was time to execute everything that I was strategizing for all the way up to that moment, the plan was going to be executed to close to perfection. Why? There is power in strategy, whether you use it for evil or whether you use it for good is the law of God. You can't go wrong with the law of God. Men, we try to perverse it by not including God's plan in our life. I believe that there are strategies in this book for your family, strategies for this book, for your business, for your ministry, for your personal life even to unlock the very relationship that you're missing with Jesus Christ himself. The thing that is going to take is for you to understand that you need tools in your life. The greatest tool that was ever given was the Bible. But also understand that God has given tools to his men and women that have been, you know, that have understood how to interpret scripture and simplify it in the form of books like this. Can you give me several strategies to understanding how to keep the bloodline cleansed? It's found in three, and I deal with this in chapter 10 of our book. It's found in the word drastic. I just think that many Christians aren't drastic enough. We're very calm, even when we address things. It's found in three drastic things. Drastic revealing drastic repenting, and drastic removing. We find Manasseh being the worst king of Israel, causing their deep generational curses within the nation of Israel. You find uh, that God took him through a drastic revealing by sending him away to captivity in Assyria. It was there that God began to reveal to him, and he saw the evilness of what he had instituted in Israel for 55 years. So number one is, you ask the hacks God to do a drastic revealing, which means, Lord, show me about me even if I don't want to see it. Number two is, Manasseh repented drastically. You need to ask God after he shows you what is in the bloodline, go through a drastic repentance. I'm not talking about that normal repentance that we do that's really calm and really cool with our little cafe latte and, you know, and just sitting in. No, I'm talking about prayer, fasting, repenting, getting it in with God like Daniel did. Drastic repenting about what has been done in previous generations. And number three is Josiah. Drastic removing, which means Josiah was so drastic in wanting to cleanse the temple that he didn't care. He wiped it out, even killing the priests of Baal and burning their bones on the altar. You know why that's there? Because he wanted to deal with the root cause in the bones, in the bloodline. You need to do a drastic removal until you feel the release. 
Now, the rest of the answers of how to get set free, you need to go get my book, The Secrets to Generational Curses. But drastic revealing, drastic repenting, and drastic removing are the three first ways that you can start right now, wherever you're watching this all over the world, to get absolutely set free and to get your bloodline cleansed and be free, but free indeed. I want you to get the book right now, The Secrets to Generational Curses. I'm going to put a link on the screen. You can go get it on Amazon. You can go get it through his ministry. Whatever platform you want to get it from, do it today. It's being able to do and put in action. You know, a lot of people just, you know, I'm going to do it later on. No, you got to take action. You got to do it now. People that make a difference, do it now. They don't wait till tomorrow. Listen, if you're contending for your life, you got to stop everything around you and say, excuse me, I got to change my life. I got to change what's been happening all this time. I got to put a stop to this right now. Listen, I, I, t- I tell a story every time I preach that if life means something to you, sometimes you got to tell the people around you, excuse me, I can't do this anymore. Excuse me, I can't keep being in this relationship anymore. Why? I went to a Laker game one time, and I tell this all over the world. I went to the, one of the best Laker games. It was the last time. Then Magic Johnson was going to be playing. And I got to tell you, I needed to go to the bathroom. But you know what? Magic Johnson was making all those passes like he was known to do. Yet people were cheering. But yet I needed to go to the bathroom. The time was going to end. The fourth quarter was about to end. But I needed to go. I, something deep inside of me told me that if I don't go right now, there's going to be a lot of problems. Well, guess what? No matter if people were cheering, no matter if it was the last game of Magic Johnson, I was dealing with a crisis. You see, the problem is it doesn't matter what type of crisis you're dealing with. And sometimes you can't keep ignoring the crisis. But at that time, I told the people in the stand, excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom. Excuse me, I know you're watching the game right now, but I got a problem that I have to go deal with. You see, sometimes the most uncomfortable moment to say, excuse me, is the moment that everyone is cheering. Is the moment that everybody is busy around you. It's where you don't feel like you can interrupt people. But if your life has to be interrupted by God to change the course of your history, the course of your future, the course of your now. You have to tell people around you, excuse me, I can't keep living in sin anymore. Excuse me, I'm tired of being broken. Excuse me, I'm tired of being alone. Excuse me, I'm tired of feeling anxious. I got to go get this book. Excuse me, it may not make sense to you, but I got to have the secrets to generational curses Order the book right now. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Why? It can change everything about you in an instant. Oh, man. I have to go. Before I go, Pastor, give me one last word. What do I need to know about this book so I can understand? So the moment I get it, what am I going to receive from it? What I'm doing is I'm addressing wrong narratives concerning generational curses. And I know sometimes we read our Christian resource manuals and books with a particular religious worldview. So we filter what we're reading through those, uh, through those, uh, we read these books through those filters and we never really gain much out of it. All I'm asking it that the Holy Spirit would do is as you begin to read my book, you would begin to reconsider So you're going to find there's going to be a lot of shifting in your way of thinking as concerning the topic of deliverance and generational curses. So be ready for a mind shift 
as you read it. And when you see that happening, just roll with it because it's the Holy Spirit bringing you an upgrade in your thinking. Well, I love you. Thank you for having me on. Stay blessed. <laughs> there you have it. The book is titled The Secrets to Generational Curses Break the Stronghold in the Bloodline. This best-selling author is from the book. Remember the book, The Secrets to Deliverance, and you thought that was good? This is even better. Wait till you get it in your hand. Share it with someone that you love. It's going to change their lives. I have to go. I want to thank my special guest today. Part two is over. We're going to have to come back and do part three sometime. But remember this. No matter what is going on around you, keep the faith. It's going to be all right. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.